1: This is Arscast Extra.
2: Hello, and welcome to another arf. Fuck!
1: <fart noise> <fart noise> <fart noise> Imagine if the whole podcast is just going. Okay. <fart noise> Fuck! <fart noise> Fuck! Fuck! Fuck!
2: I look. I think I should leave this in because it kind of sums up where we are. This is an Arscast Extra. We are recording uh, atypically on the night of the game or, or quite shortly mm. after the game. Normally, we have a, a little bit of time to reflect and to gather our thoughts. So if it's not as coherent and if it's a bit more sweary and a bit more um, angry than usual, that might be that. And, you know, James, you you asked me uh, if we could do the podcast tonight. And I was thinking, yeah. you know, if we win, this, is, this, is, this will be fine
1: be great what a way to spend your sunday evening
2: yeah just come upstairs have a drink shoot the breeze talk about arsenal winning a a north london derby that'd be fine i don't mind that at all and now well it's a bit different because well it's not that i don't have a drink i do have a drink and i hope you have a stiff one there yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, a drink that is huh um (laughs) but uh yeah it, it feels a bit you know less fun than i was hoping
1: less festive fun than we perhaps imagined the the champagne is on ice oh. um but the rum is out so you know there is that I, 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 yeah. I mean that's the noise isn't it that is the noise yeah the exasperated horse i think we should
2: trademark it the... yeah
1: yeah um where to begin andrew
2: where to begin I suppose team selection is a good place to begin. I think we should go through this game because it is one I think that deserves and merits quite a bit of analysis, even if it wasn't one we yep. are going to enjoy. Um, C- cross by cross, we'll go through it. All 417 of the crosses analysed. <laughs> we've got we've got sound effects. A good cross sounds like this, <laughs> and a bad cross sounds like. <laughs> So, you know, it's going to be hard mm. to tell the difference. Team selection. Yeah. System. Um, we I had, was surprised. What we Were you surprised that he didn't go back to the three at the back thing that he normally did in big games?
1: Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about it. I thought he would do that. I think party's availability changed that in his mind, potentially. Mm. I think he is sort of seen as the guy who... Can kind of give us uh, enough stability in midfield to to go with four at the back. Yeah. Nevertheless, I was surprised. You know, it meant dropping Lacazette into that number ten role, which I think it's safe to say he was untried in at this level in the Premier League. Um, What else was I surprised about? I mean, that was about it. I I kind of thought Shaka would play having not played a minute uh, in midweek. That seemed to me to be an indicator that he was going to start this game. Yeah.
2: Thomas Partey, then. Um, Yeah. Should he have been out there? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, clearly, with the benefit of hindsight, no is the answer here. I'm curious as to what you think about where... I'm not going to say blame should be apportioned here because... Look, I can understand Mikel Arteta wanting to pick Thomas Partey for a game like this. He's clearly yeah. the best midfielder that we have. Uh, like you say, he does allow us, when fully fit, I think, to play with this back four in perhaps a more effective way. He didn't look a uh, 100% to me. Um, And I say that, you know, having only witnessed him a couple of times in an Arsenal shirt so far. So, you know, we don't have this sort of uh, broad spectrum of performances to analyse and hold up against. Well, remember when he was this, and you can can see clearly he's not that. You know, he, I think, the noises that um, Arteta was making before the game were that Partey himself was really pushing to be involved, right? Yeah. So, do you think there's an element of, again, blame is perhaps the wrong word, and you want to maybe give credit to a player who wants to push themselves and and to be out there and to help their team and everything else to play in a big game? You want that kind of attitude, I suppose, but is there a danger that he sort of said he was fitter than he was in order to play in the club, looked at what... What problem he had, and sort of decided. Well, if he says he's okay, I know the scans show that he's in bits. Mm, mm. He's fucked. Yeah. But it's like off the
1: hamstring. Yeah,
2: he's he says he's fine though. So you know, tempting as it is, you know, yeah. let's play him.
1: David Luiz says he can play on. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I, I find it very hard to blame players in this situation. Of course, Thomas sure. Partey wants to play. I think what worries me. Um, and I, listen, I was happy he was playing. I mm. was really delighted he was in the lineup, especially when Spurs had Andobele missing as well. I thought that feels like a positive thing for us.
3: Mm.
1: Nevertheless, the fact that we did rush him back feels like quite a desperate move. Um, and that worries me. Mm. I mean, I, I understand it on the one hand, given our other midfield options, but I also think it speaks to. Maybe just a little bit of panic, you know, and a sense of we've got to get this guy out there. It's our it's our one shot. And mm. having that degree of reliance on any player uh is a worry. I think. Is is it any more desperate than,
2: you know, picking Willian week in, week out?
1: You know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's I, a different
2: I, I, different um uh, meaning of the word, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I I suppose what I mean is that you know, there's this contradiction at play with Arsenal, this sort of tension between the long-term and the short-term, and this is one where we've really prioritised the short-term and mm. probably cost ourselves in the long-term.
2: Yeah, well, that was my fear going into this, that if we did rush him back and if he wasn't 100% fit and if he picked up an injury again, you know, we we need him for, for other games that we have to mm. play this season. You know, the schedule is very busy. We've got a lot of, like... Uh, Every game is fucking impossible looking at the moment for Arsenal. I know that's maybe not the reality, even if it doesn't quite feel like that. But you look at the games and you think, well, fuck, we need, you know, our best players fit and firing, you know, consistently. And, you know, I suppose the trade-off is difficult. If you said to somebody, and you obviously can't guarantee this in any way, party misses the derby and we lose the derby, but we have him for, you know, the rest of the season, he's fit and he contributes and he helps you know make the team a bit more solid etc etc would you take it or would you risk it for you know just one game and i know the derby is a special game as well it it has an impact on the way a manager thinks about the team he's going to pick
1: i I think also it tells you a story about his other options right about what else we have in central midfield the fact that he felt the need to do that you know what does that tell you about his confidence in Granite Shaka and Danny Ceballos? I mean, he picked Jack again. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I but, mean, yeah, I mean, maybe offset so, by
2: party a bit, I guess. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I I just think that is part of the story too. Um, they gambled and they lost. Mm. You know, in mm. a big way. Well, well, as we're on him, uh, what
2: about the the incident? Leading up to the second Spurs goal, where
1: he went off the pitch. So, uh, so uh, I think that's mad. I think that's mad. I right. can't. I, I I cannot believe that he. I'll tell you why I can't believe it. Because he hasn't been here as long as the others. I expect that sort of um, naivety from an Arsenal player, mm. but not from a guy who spent five years under Diego Simeone or whatever it is. You know, I kind of, when we buy a player, I hope that they yeah. don't contract the Arsenal too nice, too naive thing so quickly. Yeah, um, I, I just, I mean, yeah, listen, I know he, he's our best player probably. And I thought even on one leg, he was pretty good in that first half, but that, I, I find it staggering. What did you think?
2: I I also found it a bit weird. I'm I'm looking at the whole thing again, and there's a there's a passage of play where he makes a tackle. He slides
1: in to make I a tackle. It. Yeah, and that must and, have been the moment.
2: Yeah, holding holding um, puts the ball forward, and we go on this counter where we, I think it was Hector Bellerin who crossed, but as he's, just after he's made the slight tackle, you can see he stands up and he's looking at the sideline, he's looking at Arteta uh, we move the ball forward Saka to Lacazette good pass from Lacazette to Bellerin don't ask me what Aubameyang is trying to do there, I think that's disastrous from him, Spurs come forward and break, and this is I think when Arteta tries to shove him back on the pitch and he can't run, you God, know yeah, which that's... is, ju- it's just fucking it looks horrendous, it absol- it? I mean... well I think it is a bit horrendous. What I think I might have done um, if I were Mikel Arteta was just try and convince him to stand in that space yeah. and if play came down there, I don't really care what you do, you know, as long as there's not a red card offence to stop the play if you can do anything at all you know what I mean? Take a yellow card whatever yeah. it is
1: I I, I I tweeted about this and said I thought it was crazy and a lot of people have defended and and I think Honestly, I think that's because he's sort of a new signing and flavour of the month. I think if another Arsenal player had done that, it it would be... And and listen, I understand he's hurt. Maybe he's not thinking clearly. Maybe he's panicking himself. Maybe he's despondent. But things he could do. Uh, Like you say, stand in the space. You know, Spurs see him walk off the pitch and another man goes forward. So they end up four against two. Uh, They immediately... Recognize that opportunity and capitalize on it. Just stand in the space, do what Granite Shaka did in the second minute of the game and rugby tackle somebody. As crap as that is, if you get yourself booked but you <clears throat> halt something, do it. Or, and I don't know if this would work, but go down on the pitch. Go down on the pitch, everybody waves, everybody whistles. You know, there's a kind of weird pressure on the Spurs to put it out. Might
2: yeah, not work. No,
1: it won't. Not with a
2: Mourinho team. I mean, I'd be very surprised if it did. Uh, uh, it'll work uh, better yeah. than walking off the pitch, though. Sure. I'd say. Sure.
1: Sure. I I, I, I can't believe it from a really senior pro. Mm. Anyway. But that's, you know, that's um, a small, small, small detail. But... uh <sighs> yeah and make a big difference, and it, listen, it's not his fault he's hurt, you know that's
2: no no, 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 for sure, for sure, and you know uh it was part of the risk. I just wonder, you know, maybe like you say, he was a bit despondent he he went in for that tackle and felt it go, and he thought he should get off the pitch. I don't know, but yeah, just stand there if you can stand in that space and and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do something, but you know that's not uh, the reason why we lost this game at all so uh, I just thought we'd get well, that I, out of the way first I mean it's also, part of the reason for the second goal but
1: you know it is but but it's worth saying uh, <laughs> they're still outnumbering us even if he's fit and mm. even if he's running there Yeah, and actually as much as I found that moment it didn't annoy me it just kind of bemused me I just think it's really rare to see a player leave the pitch of their own volition without anyone ready to come on yeah. Um I found the first goal more annoying because it was so obvious because we had 11 fit players and we still fell into that trap. Okay, so how... Okay, talk me through your thoughts on that first goal then. Um, well, listen, it's it's a great finish, right? You know, yeah. that's, that's all well and good. But for every, every wonder goal, there's another side to the story, isn't there? And yeah. I just felt that, like... I'm going to watch it again now. But my yeah, feeling going into here. this game was was really one of... I mean, it, it won't surprise you to know that it comes from a pretty crappy uh, Hector Bell and Cross from the right-hand side. was really one of... Spurs were always going to do one thing in this game. They were going to defend deep. They were going to get the ball out to Kane. And Kane was going to look for Son. I mean, it's literally what mm. they do constantly. And I suppose when I watch it, I've got two major issues. Um, the first is, I suppose... Well, maybe it's three. The first is how overcommitted we are. I think we have overcommitted going forward, given their ability on the counter-attack. I know we do want to get forward. I know we want to score goals. But mm. I think in the 12th minute of a game, we were a little bit ahead of ourselves. Then I think when Kane receives the ball, when it's cleared away... Take him out. Yeah, take him out. Where? Where is somebody on him? You know, I felt like Granite Shaka it looked like, was sort of detailed to track Kane. And that's why he committed that crazy foul early on. Mm. But he's nowhere near him at this point. Well Partey uh, is, though. Yeah, Partey is. Maybe he's feeling his injury there. I don't know. Gabriel um, is close-ish, but not close enough. Kane does very well. He spins it in behind. Uh, and, and then it's kind of Keystone Cop stuff. I mean, I, I understand... The backing off, but nobody gets near Son, do they? No. I mean, Holding, I understand
2: to an extent, but you've got to engage at some point as a defender uh, and not run away from him. Uh, Holding was more concerned about the guy overlapping. Um, I mean,
1: I'll tell you this. Son, the last two games for Spurs, played on the right. mm. And then this game, he went over to the left. And I think if you look at our back four... Tierney and Gabrielle, as opposed to Holding and Bellerin, yeah. it's clear which side's stronger. From a defensive point of yeah. view, for sure. For sure. I mean, what, yeah, what did you make of that? Guy? I, I, listen, I, it might sound harsh because I appreciate it's a brilliant take from Son, but it was just maybe it was just how obvious it was I, that I found so frustrating.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, we'd started pretty well. I think I wrote in yeah. the live blog, we we had a decent enough start. I mean, not brilliant or anything, but it was decent. Uh, and then you get hit on, what, their first counterattack. Yeah. You know, it is, it's like someone telling you they're going to slap you in the face and you don't believe them, and then they slap you in the face. You know, it's and then being yeah. unhappy about it. I, was, I told you I was going to do this.
1: I'll tell you what as well, take it right back to where we lose the ball, Bellerin crossing in from the right-hand side. The position that he crosses from um, is a really bad position to cross from. There's data that shows that if you cross from, like, outside the penalty box, basically, you know, deep, it is very ineffective, statistically. was a good um, job we learned our lesson and didn't do that for the rest of the game then. Well, exactly. And like, you know, if you're crossing from areas which are deeper, which are like beyond the penalty box line, your success rate is higher. Not high, but higher. So chucking it in from that angle is annoying. Um And then I think, yeah, just the response to it. I mean, it, I think having nobody close to Kane is really the killer blow, isn't it? Because... Mm. It enables him to take it in the center circle, release it, and son's so dangerous I mean Bellerin gets back, but I mean does yeah look falls great over so. and yeah yeah that's um that's not a good look for him um yeah I was just so pissed off, I'm still quite pissed off I don't know if that's clear <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well, i mean it's 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 like uh it's like the game that we played back in July or whatever it was it's really similar in some ways. Don't you think? Like, I thought the game pattern was similar. And depending on how you feel about the manager at any one point, you'll interpret it differently. You might be like, well, you know, at least we tried to be progressive. We had the ball. I wouldn't want to be one of those teams who doesn't have the ball. You know, or yeah. you're going, What's the point in having the ball? <laughs> I can't
3: do anything about
2: Literally can't do anything about it. I mean what we should have done is is you know, hindsight again being a wonderful thing, but play that three at the back, sit I off. mean, I mean even yeah. even when they had spells of possession, it wasn't like we were pressing them or, or trying to win no. the ball back really quickly because we were absolutely afraid of getting bypassed and getting counterattacked.
1: attacked The Sky analysis was bizarre, I thought. You know, there was a lot of talk on, I don't know if you had the same commentary, but people saying, well, Arsenal be pleased. You know, they've had so much of the ball in the second half. And I was mm. thinking, they've let us have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they literally did not want the ball. Mourinho almost never wants the ball. His teams don't want the ball, you know. So it would have been a much more interesting game plan, I think, to let them have it, see what they can do. Um, instead, we just, I mean, we just set up for them to play exactly how they would have wanted to play.
2: Yeah. And two goals on the counter-attack meant yeah, that they could, they could go in and they could sit there in the second half and, and uh, let us have the ball and... They're playing a team that hasn't scored a Premier League goal uh, from open play in how long? Oh, we p- scored against Wolves, Four didn't we? Yeah. million. Yeah, no, we years. scored against Wolves, didn't we? Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> didn't think we, we did. Who scored? I can't remember. It's all a terrible blur in my mind.
1: This uh, dark
2: greyness.
1: No, I don't think we did. Sc- oh, we did score, yes. We'd scored one goal. It was Gabrielle. wasn't That's it? That's right. William from Willian Cross. From Willian Cross, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the second goal uh again just for other things i mean again it's a funnily enough it's a Bellerin cross that goes no well way, do you that. do
2: you think do you think that Aubameyang should do more with that ball
1: maybe i mean we'll get on to him okay <laughs> but but okay. Like, <laughs> that's, maybe that's i think ominous. Uh, well there's a there's a mis- there's a misunderstanding isn't there i mean he, he yeah. But he does appear to sort of run into an area where he's sort of not really available. I think he wants Bellerin to play that pass across the sort of six-yard box. Do you see what I mean? Like in front of him. Um, and it goes behind him. So I... I, I yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. I know what, what do you think?
2: I don't know. It's hard to separate because, you know, he's just in such bad form and he looks unhappy. He doesn't look himself at all. Um... Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get onto him. I'm sure we've got questions. But, but, Bellerin's but, delivery has was uh, not great, even though he did no. make our best chance. Was it our only real chance? There was one the header for Lacazette. I think he 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 provided the ball for the. Uh, there was another. Stop. There
1: was We're one a, to... a ball across the box that, if Lacazette had kept running, he might have had a, a chance with. I remember well. I'm just looking at the second goal again because. You know, we've talked about the Partey thing and I really don't want it to seem like it's all on him because it, it isn't. When uh, the Bellerin's cross is intercepted, I think it's Sissoko, he breaks away. And if you look, he's got four Arsenal players around him. He's got Lacazette, Saka, Tierney and Granit Shaka, who is very, very high, somewhat inexplicably. Mm. And it means that when Sissoko plays the pass out to... Number 18, who I guess is Lisselso. Yeah. He's just absolutely clear. Obviously, Partey's not in the game at that point. And, and you know, they execute it well. They execute it yeah. really well. But. Yeah, you
2: could. I think you could ask why is Xhaka so high up the pitch yeah, when. I think so. You know.
1: I mean, if Partey is going to go off, does Xhaka know that? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's. Yeah. The, there's no know. way if Shaka know. I mean, Shaka can't possibly know, can he? And be no. pushed that high? No, I, I don't, don't know. think so. I don't know. It, I don't it, know. It's just a tactical.
2: I'm watching here. I'm watching again. Shaka, right? Yeah, he's following in. He's completely switched. Unaware? He's not unaware. He doesn't know anything about Partey, but he. Worse, he doesn't know anything about the two Tottenham midfielders that are standing behind him. Yeah, As yeah. he's charging into the box, maybe looking for the ball to break to him on the edge of the box, you know, um, when we talk yeah, about players exactly. lacking attacking intent and ambition. But that's not the time or the place uh, for him to do that. Can,
1: can I say, that? that's hmm. one of the things that frustrated me about this game, is that I, I actually in the first half thought... Oh, Arsenal are getting numbers forward here. You know, you could see there were more people in the box than I'm accustomed to seeing. You know, Lacazette was getting in there, Saka was getting in there, but it's it's exactly what you sort of fear will happen. That you know, Arteta was so reluctant to kind of set up in a more attacking way because you think you felt like he thought I will get done on the counter, and unfortunately, as soon as he's done that, it's played out exactly like that, and I just don't think today was the day to to try that
2: yeah i mean to some extent maybe there was pressure to try and get a result and win the game and turn things yeah, around maybe. and and everything else and that's in your thinking but i think i said this to to you on friday when we were talking uh, you know that this is this was a must not lose game you know every, i think so every derby is a game that you want to win of course you want to win it because of the extra stuff that goes with it but in the in the context of this one as important as a win would have been and as fun as it would have been and you know how we could all be sitting here now taking positives from right okay now our season can start etc etc losing is a real kick in the balls you know if you come away from there with a point it's not great but like fuck it it's a point it's a draw away from home you've kind of stopped the rot a little bit in terms of the games that you've lost in the premier league you know yeah losing was stupid and i think the way we set up today was not smart it wasn't yeah. smart you know it wasn't smart to to do it knowing that part of the reason perhaps that we played with the the system that we did was because parte was available to us But knowing that there was a risk that he wasn't going to be able to complete 90 minutes, that he might exacerbate his injury, you know, it just like... Are are you telling me that Partey couldn't have played and made a good contribution when we uh, had played with a back three, for example, something like that? You know, he definitely could have. He could have done, you know, good work in midfield, even as part of that too. So, I don't know.
1: I also think we set up and played in a way that did a guy who was potentially an injury risk, absolutely no favours. Like, uh, the way we played, Shaka was next to Partey nominally, but he was dropping in quite often alongside Gabriel in the build-up play. And again, there was at times that sort of shape where it was a one-man midfield. Yeah. And if you've got a guy with a dodgy hamstring... Don't make him a one-man midfield. Well, exactly.
2: Don't make him a one-man midfield, and don't put a guy beside him who can't fucking run. You know. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you could ask. uh, Maybe he's not everybody's favourite player, or you know. But surely someone like El Neni, in in those circumstances, who's got the engine, who can run all day, who's tidy in possession, who keep the ball moving when he gets it. You know, he's not going to get. yeah, you know, he's not going to be the guy high up the pitch like Xhaka was, I don't think, in those circumstances. So that, that selection decision I, I don't think worked Shaka was picked for his
1: crossing, I imagine. We just had to get everyone in the team. We could cross. I mean, it, it, the other thing to say, by the way, is, you know, like you say, we, we set up an attacking way, we went for the win. But again, what worries me is... Like that, trying to save our season by winning this game again, it feels a little bit desperate.
2: Well, yeah. How much damage have we done now? How much damage have we done to party? How much damage have we done to midfield? Yeah. How much damage have we done to confidence of you know um, confidence of the fans and and the belief that fans have in the team and the manager? And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a little while as well. You know, we've done ourselves a, a real injury
1: today. Yeah, we big really setback. have. We're like Thomas Barter, yeah. We're, yeah. we're just like that. And and I also, I have to say, I know anything can happen in football. I've rarely been so sure a game was over at half-time as I was in this on this occasion. Uh, you know, I, I just sort of, there's the noise again, but I just, <laughs> you know, against a Mourinho team who have no desire to come out and play they're never going to overcommit they're no. never going to take an unnecessary chance and us completely unable to break down teams at the best of times I just and with Partey off I just thought well that is the game gone
2: yeah me too me too uh, you know and uh, you. how do you look at the second half then do you look at it did you, as did you see
1: that stat by the way which uh, one yeah there's a few which Duncan one Duncan Alexander who I think works for Opta yeah um he, he said, football is a game of two halves, but Arsenal have had the fewest second half shots of any of the 92 teams in the Premier League and English Football League. Holy shit. This season. Holy shit. Do, do you
2: know what? <laughs> it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's staggering, but it also does not <clears throat> does not surprise me. I'm the sorry. The lowest of the 92 <laughs> football league teams. I'm choking here. Not choking up. <laughs> I'm
1: literally choking. Um, yeah. That is unbelievable. Isn't it? I mean, I, I know what you're saying. It feels It feels mm. true. But, like, let's get the League 2 table up. That means we're having less second-half shots than Barrow, than Stevenage, Mansfield, Harrogate. Harrogate are having more shots in the second half. You know what? Um, (laughs) Crawley.
2: Just keep going, keep going. Just keep shouting other team names that are better than us. Um,
1: Yeah, look, I've... Grimsby Town.
2: (laughs) I've had... An issue with this for a little while, and I think I've said it to you before, is that okay? It's exacerbated by the fact that we're in the uh, situation too often where, in the second half of games, we need goals, where we need to turn the screw. We are literally unable to turn any kind of screw. We are yeah. what's the opposite of a screwdriver? We're that.
1: We are in a team. In a, in a league of people with screwdrivers, we're, like, trying to use our thumbs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like desperately.
2: Yeah. It's a problem. Like, we don't and can't build attacking momentum in games. And even today, you know, Tottenham <laughs> Tottenham came out, sat deep, and said, well, they're not going to get through the middle of us. And, and to some extent, <clears throat> I'm not saying I have sympathy for this because... You know to some extent when you're playing a team that's really solid down the middle and you've no way of breaking them down there and they give you the wings, you know what else is there to than to throw in a load of crosses? I mean I'm not saying that's the the only way to do it, but in the circumstances, when you've got uh, players in those wide areas to put balls in the box, you know I guess it's a it's a consequence of that to a certain extent, but they loved it meat and drink. Meat and drink to them. There were a couple of decent crosses from from Arsenal. I think Tierney put a good one for Aubameyang, and another header that that missed the target. I think, not saying he should score, but he should certainly hit the target. Lacazette had one saved, didn't he? Um, but beyond that, they just fucking headed them away and hacked them away and cleared them and stayed solid. And then they brought on, you know, another defensive midfielder to sit right in front of the the, the the middle of the the pitch, in front of the, the centre-halves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Kane was in there heading them away.
1: The, yeah, I mean, they did the same thing against Man City and Chelsea, where they have a back uh, four and then two central midfielders in front who drop in, yeah. and they're a back six. And at one point in this game, they went to a back seven. It was a back five with, a, with another two midfielders dropping mm. in, so... They, I mean, it's you know, they've got Eric Dyer in there, Alderweireld, a couple of lumps. If you chuck it in the air, they'll win it. Nine times out of ten. I mean, how many headers has Aubameyang scored for Arsenal? I think it's three. Yeah. You know, it's just not his game. It's not Lacazette's game. It, it's kind of surreal to see it adopted in that way. And I have to say you know, alarm bells are ringing for me when I hear Mikel Arteta come out after the game and say they did exactly what I wanted to do, wanted them to do. You know, that is alarm bells for me.
2: Yeah. It is, isn't it? Because, you know, you could come out and say, well, look, that was a way we were we had to play today because Tottenham forced us down the sides and, yeah. you know, whatever. But
1: but we can't go through the middle anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. What are we going to do? Play it into Lacazette and he's going to split the defence with an eye-of-the-needle pass. It's not even his game.
2: No, and I, you know what? I, we've given Lacazette um, criticism here on, on the podcast. I thought he was... I thought it, at least he put in a shift.
1: I liked his spirit, I have I to like, say.
2: Yeah, look, uh, I think uh, what it says about the construction of this squad and this team, that he's playing in that role, that's another thing. You know? Yeah. Credit to him for trying, and there was a moment late in the second half where he got back and he made a tackle yeah, towards yeah, the edge yeah, of yeah. our box, you know. At least on a day when not much else was worth talking about, at least he sort of put in the effort that you want to see from from every Arsenal player in a North London derby. Um I thought he it's was a-
1: good in that front. I thought um Kieran Tierney was as you'd expect him to be. I thought Gabriel tried to take initiative, you know, push forward. And
2: I thought Ceballos was all right when he came on, but I think it was to do a little bit with game state as well. In that, you know, you could say in the second half, well, look, Arsenal dominated possession and they would loads of crosses into the box and they, you know, X amount of, uh, you know, uh, touches in the opposition box and all of those kind of things. You know, if you want to look at those as positives... I guess you can, but to me, it just speaks more to the way that Tottenham were happy for us to play the game.
1: They let us do that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Look at the changes that they made. They never sought to redress the midfield balance. They never sought to bring on Gareth Bale, for example, for an extra counter-attacking threat. Yeah. They just shuffled around the back line, said, you keep chucking and crosses guys. We've got this all day long. And yeah, Sabahs, you know, he he was fine, but he had time, he had yeah, space. Exactly. Bukayo Saka, I thought, as usual, was busy, you know, looked a bit dangerous, until as he's becoming an increasing thing, he sort of slightly got kicked out of the game. Yeah. Um, and that keeps happening to him, because he's a young guy and he's probably our best player. So. Yeah. yeah, it, it was... Uh, it, do you know what? It, the thing is, like, Arsenal weren't... Um, I don't think Arsenal were as bad as they've been in some recent games. I don't think. And I think there's no massive shame in Well, there is shame. It always in, in massive shame. In no, there is in, no in, in failing in any way against Spurs. But, you know Man City didn't score against this Spurs team, Chelsea didn't score against this Spurs team. But
2: It's not not so much that we didn't score. It's that we we conceded goals in a way which if everybody could see that that's how it was going to happen. If it was going to happen,
1: that's how it was going to happen. And that's what pisses me off and worries me is that, like, we, you know, that's not what I expect a… Well-organized, well-prepared
2: team to do, right? And that's the thing we had. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Let That's me ask you. We had.
2: Let me ask you about this. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is on the bench. He had a great game, yeah. al- albeit against Rapid Vienna, etc. etc. Yeah. You know, we know, we know, yeah. we know, we know. But he had a great game in midfield. We're losing two 0 away from home. We take off Hector Bellerin. And we put Bakayo Saka, who is, you know, maybe our most effective attacking player aside from Lacazette for all that that entails, at right back. Mm -hmm. Why don't we put Ainsley Maitland-Niles at least on the pitch in that position, you know? Or why don't we put Ainsley Maitland-Niles on the pitch instead of Granite Xhaka with 20 minutes to go?
1: You know, yeah. Why don't we? Shaka's, Shaka's on a booking as well, don't forget.
2: Yeah, I don't know what minute it was that Shaka got booked, but it, you know, it was about seventy-five minutes or something like that, uh, if I remember. Um, so why don't we do that? Where was Reece Nelson today? Do we know if Reece Nelson had an injury, or was it a case that he's just not he didn't in the squad? Just didn't make the bench. So, so when knowing as well that you've got like a player. Whose fitness is is hugely questionable in parte. We had El Neni on the pitch uh, or on the bench. We had Sabyas on the bench. We had Joe Willock on the bench. Do you really need three central midfield players? Mm. You know, could
1: Sabyas El Neni and Willock and yeah. Maitland Niles does Maitland-Niles. feel like a lot?
2: Yeah, of course, Maitland Niles. You know, is versatile as we talked about, yeah. and he could play everywhere. But like one of those. And I'm you know, you know me, I like Joe Willock, but you know, in a game like this, when you need to change something from the bench, what have you got? What literally have Arsenal got on the bench to do anything different? We had Danny Sebias who came on for parte and we know what Sobias is, he's a different kind of midfielder. You know, he can pick a pass when there's one there when he's got time and space, but like mm. he's not a game changer. He doesn't give you anything different. Mm. At, well, at least Nelson yeah. is uh, You know, let's say, let's say going into this game, you have some slight concerns that the fucking washed up 32-year-old you brought in from Chelsea who's played like a bag of shit all season, you might worry that he could play like a bag of shit again. What if you had a player on the bench who, you know, could just maybe come on instead of him and maybe not
1: play like a bag of shit? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Yeah. yeah, I'd, I'd love to... Think that Reese Nelson's delivery would be better, but I, I'm not. I'm not talking about sure his
2: delivery. I'm really not talking about his delivery. Mm. I'm just talking about the ability to change something, to do something different in the game. You know, Nelson is is quick. He can uh, take players on. He can try at least. Uh, you know, and, and add a bit of drive to us in, in the final third. Maybe it would yeah, make yeah. no difference in the grand scheme I would have of had things, him there. but at least it would be fucking something. You know, Eddie came on, and you've got three strikers on the pitch, and still can't create a shot really for any of them. Um, you know, and that's if, not that as many strikers Eddie. as we
1: like on. Well, you know,
2: didn't but- Arteta say that in his interview on Sky? He said, you know, we can have 55 strikers out there if you don't score goals. But, I mean, it strikes me that we are the only team in the world that could actually play 55
1: strikers and still not <laughs> score a goal. Well, that's because, you know, you've got to get the ball there. And I, and I just think, um, yeah, I, I agree about the balance of the bench. I mean, listen, we're, we're paying for that Pepe red card to an extent. You mm-hmm. know, that we are a player light, for sure, and... I think there was actually a case to... Like, if I'd played the three at the back, I might have played Maitland-Niles left wing-back and I, you know, then you would have had... Had Saka on the bench. Possibly, yeah. As as someone who could change things. Um, Because I agree with you. When I looked at that bench, I was like, there's not much here that inspires me that this is going to dramatically shift. I mean, the thing is, you know... (sighs) We didn't get beat. It's, it's a funny one. Like, we didn't get battered, you know. We didn't get beat four or five. Um, and we... Were you worried weren't. at halftime that we might? To be honest, no. Because I remember Mourinho's Chelsea. And I remember that they get 2-0 up in home games and then they do fuck all. <laughs> like, that. that's it. Yeah. That's what they do. He loves that scoreline. 2-0. 2-0, sit in, job done. Mm. And, um, you know... Pfft, it's, it's what he does and he's very experienced at it but i think yeah we lost this game on on details really and you know sort of stupid dumb decisions and that's really annoying like it, it you know it's not like they were miles and miles better than us but we just allowed them to do what they do yeah and and, what, and I tell you where they are better than us is their efficiency and attack. I mean, it's just a complete at the moment. It's another level to what we're producing, and that's a very painful reality.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was there was a moment in commentary where they said, uh, "You know, the difference is Kane and so on, two world class striker or two world class players." Yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking, well, you know, we've got Obama. None man, of us on the a, money
1: that yeah, we've paying. Well, past, I, I don't sorry. even
2: mean the money. I don't really. You know that's not really the issue. Uh, maybe it is an issue that we might discuss, but I didn't. I, I don't mean it from that point of view. I mean a few no, weeks no. ago, everyone was delighted that you know one of the only world class players in our squad was signing Me on, too. and and you know it's Me not too. like we're uh, trying to score goals with Cabeddiawara and Julio Batista. You know there is mm. talent there. There is quality there we're not seeing it clearly we're not seeing it but it's not as if you know we don't have players like that of our own they said like put Kane and Son in the Arsenal team and it'd be all very different and I was thinking would it would it really
1: it's a really good question like I actually had a conversation with a Spurs fan he's a mate of mine before this game and we were talking about the two teams and actually he said the same thing he said I don't think these teams are that different But Spurs have got two strikers who are just flying, and Arsenal don't. But isn't
2: the reason they're flying is that the team is set up in a way to make them really effective? Like, I know it's, you know, it's... There's a
1: strategy, basically. I mean, we can all see what it is. You know, we all see what the the job Harry Kane is doing this season, playing in that, you know, nine-and-a-half space, uh, Arteta must have known about it. Everyone knows. If Everyone about knows it, about it. Knows. They're
2: not. They're not able to do anything about it. And that's you know obviously because they're good players in top form. No question about that. There's no arguing with that. But it's not a surprise yeah. to anybody when they do what they do, and they did what they did today. And we're playing with a world class striker. You know, whether he's on the left or he's in the middle, wherever he is, we're playing in a way which makes his presence in the team. Almost redundant, and you're thinking, "Well, what would it take to get us back on track?" And the word that kept going through my head was Fellaini. Fuck it, now. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I don't think I'm wrong. If you well, know I'm not saying that he don't don't misquote me here and say. Where that is I'm, he? Can we give I'm him not, a call? I'm not advocating for his signing, but I'm saying that if you're a team that plays football the way that we're playing football. He'd be fucking better than the guys we have at what we're you know whatever in it is. That we're to he's in China.
1: He's with Shandong. We need to get Edu now on the phone. It's not going to happen now. You know he'll have to quarantine and all that. He's kind. only thirty three. Andrew, a three year deal surely is in the offing. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. He fits in. You know we lost. We've got David Luiz with the hair, but mm. we lost Ganduzi. We need another one, another quaffered mm. midfielder. I mean. That is a frightening thought. But it's not crazy. I mean, if you look at the other teams that are slinging in a lot of crosses in the Premier League, it's people like West Ham. And who've they got? That bloke Suchek, who's about seven foot two, who is a real threat. We don't have anyone like that. No, and who are we playing next? I don't know. Can we buy Chris Samba and put him up front? (laughs) We're playing Burnley next. Right, well... Well, You
2: know what they like? Heading. Buy Chris Wood. They like We buy Chris Wood before we play them. I'm telling you know... That is that is the kind of football that we're playing. And last week, when Arteta made those comments about, you know, um, he's called him something else tonight. Did he say penalty box entries or something like that? Oh god, was that what it was? Like we're Maybe. making extra. Money. And he, he talked about it last week when we made all those crosses against Wolves. And my interpretation of it was that, you know, when he defended it, my interpretation was that. If we were to do that again he would like us to do it better. Not necessarily that he would like us to do that again week after week mm. after week. And then seeing the way we played today and I know there are reasons for it and the you know what he said it's quite worrying.
1: Yeah. It's it
2: really quite is. Quite worrying. That this is seen as some Effective method of creating chances for our strikers, and actually, was it? Uh, I thought Jeff Shreve's. I'm sure we have it here on on our spot news. I'm sure Jeff Shreve's asked him a really good question, something along the lines of, you know, are you are you creating good enough chances? Because he was talking about, like, if we don't score goals, we can put 55 strikers on, blah, blah, blah. And then Jeff Shreve said to him, but are you creating good enough chances? And he said, we created more than Spurs for sure, and they scored two goals and we had zero. The same happened last week against Wolves. I think that's a great question. Mm. The quality of the chances that we create for our forward players, our attacking players... Like, when is the last time you can think of where you saw a guy go through on goal? I mean, was there an Aubameyang one against Wolves that he should have scored? Something mm-hmm. like that. But like with the ball at his feet, we're like, Aubameyang's mischances are headers. Yeah. He's not getting I- into positions. And even today, there was a moment where, you know, they were talking about how it was great defending. He was shown onto his left foot or whatever it was. There was one in the first half and there was one in the... There was one in the second half as well where he had a left-footed shot blocked. I think the first half when he, he backheeled it to Saka. Um, but I'm thinking like, you know, two months ago, Aubameyang cuts in and his speed of thought and movement lets him get a shot away. But now it's like, it's so rare that the ball gets to him in shooting areas. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck.
1: Yeah, and look what what Son's experiencing is a bit of what Aubameyang experienced last season. I think he's overperforming his XG. You know, he, he's flying. Every everything he does is coming off for him. And uh, Aubameyang looks a bit bereft of confidence, but that's probably going to happen when there's not much coming your way. Mm. And and you know, you talk about a player going through on goal. Arsenal just—I've said it so many times—but Arsenal just build up play far, far too slowly. We don't counterattack effectively. Mm. And, and when are you slinging crop crosses in? You're doing it when the Defence is massed in front of you, which mm. says you've got there too slowly, or it says you're losing and you're chasing. Yeah, that's when teams start crossing. You know, there's it's no coincidence that in games where we lose, we're throwing in a load of crosses because teams that are losing get desperate.
2: Yeah, it is a bit desperate, though. You can understand it is.
1: Well, that desperate, word keeps coming it? up, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, and I, 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 you know, listen, I've got a lot of affection for Mikola Arteta. he's an Arsenal player. Arsenal captain, he's the Arsenal manager now. And I don't really disguise that, but I think looking at him tonight, I sort of thought, ooh, you look a bit stuck here. Mm. Uh, he's so commanding, you know, usually in his press conferences, so in control. And I just thought, yeah, I, I, I don't know if he knows. I don't know if he knows the answer right now.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a big, broad existential question. You know. Yeah. How do we stop being shit?
1: Well, yeah. But Maybe- how do we how do you score goals is quite a fundamental question when it comes to football, isn't it? Mm. It's sort of like <laughs> It's that it's sort of the whole thing, in a way. It is. You can't win without scoring a goal. Can we say
2: that cross after cross after cross after cross to to strikers who aren't renowned for their aerial prowess is at least one way of not scoring them, so it puts you slightly closer to the solution.
1: Maybe, <laughs> but this isn't the first thing we've tried. I mean... I, I, yeah, I, I don't... I honestly... I honestly don't know, Andrew. It's it's a, It was a... It, if he said, well, look, you know, Spurs were defending deep, they were defending narrow, we had no alternative, mm. we tried to pack the box and play the odds, I'd be like, fair enough. Mm. But it's when he's like, yeah, well, plan A was pretty effective, I think you'll find. Uh, <laughs> somebody find me uh, Stuart Downing and Andy Carroll. Oh. January window's coming up. the Fellaini thing is frightening I mean you know we spent so long hoping that Arteta was going to emulate Guardiola we forgot to you know mention that he might be emulating Moyes hmm and on that
2: cheery note, <laughs> we will, I think we'll leave it there for part one. We need to take yeah. a break. I need to refill my glass. I need to find some questions to deal with some of the bigger issues that we're going to have to discuss. Uh, so let's do that. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more in part two right after this. Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two, where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Blog. Uh also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. If you are, thank you so much uh, for being with us through these difficult times. But look, it's ups and downs. It's football. I'm sure it'll come around again. That's it's not. Yeah, that's however, how it works, it's isn't it? Not very convincing, is it?
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we do questions though yeah. the least we can do for the listeners is try and answer some of their questions
2: great empires always rise again don't they and refine their glories that's how it works right Right. did you read Rory Smith's piece in New York Times? someone sent it to me uh, and I, I really like Rory's writing and everything else but I couldn't quite
1: yeah, face I it actually. before the Derby um, it was interesting headline I mean I haven't read it <laughs> but uh, the headline was nothing lasts forever and then the subtitle Arsenal's recent history is a case study in slow steady decline what's happened to Arsenal isn't really meant to be possible in the Super Club era but they're proof that wealth only entrenches the elite if they make the right decisions mm. Yeah. cheers Rory he Thanks called that, that to a T sure As if we won the game <laughs> <laughs> He'd look he foolish he now. He'd yeah. look
2: foolish now, let me tell you. I will read that at some point tomorrow um, just to sort feeling. of cheer myself up a little
3: exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Here is a question to start us off from the Discord. It comes from Sahil Bansai, who says. Is it time to drop Aubameyang from the Premier League squad? I hope he scores some goals in the cup competitions, but maybe we need to leave him out of the Premier League games until his form returns.
1: For who would be my
2: question. That was the very phrase that went into my head. Like, we can't score goals with him. Who the fuck is going to score without him?
1: Well, can I just... We will come back to the Aubameyang discussion. Balagoon, Balagoon, Balagoon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, what, what about behind him there must be some other child prodigy we can call upon yeah there's um,
2: probably like some kid with a double barrel name that we haven't yeah. heard of you know, like Chesterson Wilsonstein
1: something yeah. like that Jeffrey Mega Goals uh, <laughs> in the under 12s if only there was a clue in his name what he might be able to do for the team <laughs> um, Ollie who's at World of Ollie said how many goals are actually in this team if you go through the squad and put an average or guesstimate on their season contribution per player, I don't really think there are very many, and that is a good point, isn't it? I mean, yes, we're scoring no goals, but I don't know. Apart from Aubameyang, well, I mean, yeah, Lacazette, you know, fifteen Lackerset or something, a, yeah. Lacazette
2: can score goals. We know that Pepe can score goals. Um, goals from midfield, I think I've said to you time and time again we do not it have is. players who can score goals from midfield i think that's a big problem for us you know um, not having any central midfielder who can really score goals that joe willick is our best goal rep from central midfield with the greatest of respect to joe willick is is telling it i like the limitations of the other players that we have in those positions shaka yeah. doesn't score El doesn't score so doesn't really score
1: he doesn't score subs. He doesn't even really run beyond the penalty box. No, to be I
2: mean he's had what did he score? He scored one goal in a really early
1: game, didn't he, in his first yeah, season in the Europa was... league where he sort of towed it over the line, and then he scored against, against, against Sheffield Definitely United in the cup. Yeah. And that's it. I think that might be it. That's it. Um so anyway, you know, clearly goals are an issue and particularly goals from midfield are a massive massive issue. Coming back to Obamiang, I I don't think you can drop him because we haven't got enough to be dropping him.
2: No, what we um, have to do is get him scoring again. Not you know if we had fucking Sergio Aguero sitting on the bench, you'd say, well, okay, Aubameyang, you know you're not doing it, so we're going to give some other hot shit striker a mm-hmm. you know a, a game. But we don't have it. You, you can't drop Obamiang for Inquieti. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, you can't, and uh, and I think, I mean, maybe, maybe his maybe his role, maybe his position is up for debate again. You know, maybe you say, do we go back to what we were doing before? Not that it was working in the early part of the season, I accept, but there is at least precedent for it. Mm. Um, you know, he just looked miserable. I thought today. Uh, And it's really difficult because he is getting no service, right? So very, very limited service. Yes. But there have been occasions in the past couple of years where things have come to him and I've thought, well, you're you're not where you were last season. You know, like you mentioned that moment in the first half where he sort of half seemed to be, second half, I think it was, sorry, where he sort of half seemed to be through on goal, but sort of couldn't. Didn't quite open up for him in the way you expect. Or even when that Tierney cross, I think it was, mm. found his head. And I just thought, you're just not where you were. And with strikers, it is so complex. Like, you know, form and confidence and millimetres make such a big difference. Milliseconds make a big difference. But he's, he's not at that level, I think, even though the team... Is a big part of it. You know, they have their guilt in this, but I don't think. I mean, basically, he dug us out of holes at points over the last two years. Yeah. He, and he's lost his shovel. I think, don't you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think his he's. Mojo.
3: Yeah,
2: I think he's going through a period of, of really bad form, which is coinciding with a team that's going through a
1: period of really bad form. And yeah. you know, it's and impossible. to be scoring goals, yeah. he'd probably have to be in exceptional form right now. He'd have to be scoring chances you wouldn't expect him to score or with a surprising degree of efficiency. I mean, the, the trouble is he ne- he's what he was doing last yeah. season. <laughs> he'd need to be fucking Superman to be scoring goals at the
2: moment. Um, yeah, look, the, the other sort of aspect of this is that the coincidence, if you want to call it that, that it's come pretty much straight after he signed that big new contract that adds another dimension to maybe the pressure that he's feeling as well. Maybe there's an element of that, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. He doesn't look like a happy guy at the moment and he shouldn't be happy. And nobody at Arsenal football club right now should be happy with what's going on and what's happening and, and everything else. Um, you know, a few goals and a few results changes the mood in a big, big way, of course, but, but, it's just difficult to see how we're going to, to do that. Um, no,
1: and he is the captain and he is the leader and, you right. know, in some ways of this squad. And he is, the you know, the top player. Yeah. And, uh, and this is a point where we need those guys to be stepping up. I mean, just on the contract thing, mm. I think sometimes people, if the contract gets raised, it doesn't necessarily mean oh, well, he's just some greedy bloke, and once he got his money, he just stopped giving a shit. Like, he just threw in the towel and thought, I'll pick up my paycheck now. That's not, I think, what anyone is ever suggesting. But I do think it's entirely possible that there is a kind of subconscious element to this, that, you know, in, in the last year... He was playing for his future, wherever that might be. And, you know, the, the degree of motivation that provides on a subconscious level is absolutely enormous. And I think when you get recognition or you get a pay rise in any job, I, I do think that, you know, it it changes things slightly. Yeah, I'm not...
2: Look, maybe, maybe. I think the motivation is to go out and score goals and win football games. Yeah, of course. I think that's the primary one that every player... You'd like to think, yeah. Yeah, has. And look, Aubameyang got a very healthy pay rise, but it was just like sort of stacking a load of extra money on top of all the other money that he already has, you know. It's not like know, this yeah. is like,
1: well... At what point do these numbers really mean anything? Yeah,
2: now I've got the money. I'm just
1: going to uh, put my feet up here and relax. Finally. Yeah, finally. My hundredth <laughs> sports car. But yeah, yeah no, 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 I, 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 But what I'm saying is like, I don't think it's conscious is what I'm saying. No, do you no know what no, I, mean? I agree. Yeah, I agree with I, that. I, I, I think it's possible there's an unconscious element. And the other thing is, uh, on the other side of the coin, if you asked him now... Would you rather be on what you were on last season, but at a club who's top of the league? I wonder what he'd say, you know? Mm. So, but listen, it is not working. I mean, ultimately, when we look, when we talk about like the Pepe deal, right? And we say, crikey, that was a lot of money. Club laid out a lot of money there, but was there a plan to make it work? Was there a, a, a clear identity for how he would fit into the team? Well, you have to apply exactly the same thinking to Aubameyang and his mm. contract, you know, when Arteta says, "Okay, Edu and you know and Rao, whoever it is, I want this guy. We've got to do the deal. We've got to pay the money." There's got to be, you know, there's got to be a plan for that. Mm. And what was that plan? Was it putting him on the left? Was it putting him up top? Was it sort of fudging it and trying to figure it out on on the fly? But, you know, I, I really believed, well, there must be a clear idea of how we're going to use him and what we're going to do with him. Yeah, I think that had to be a big part of why he stayed because,
2: you know, uh, look, the money is a is a factor, of course it is, but I don't think it was the primary factor at 31 years of age, you know, for a player um, who, who wants to win things. Mm. Um, so there must have been some discussion about what way the team was going to play, how we were going to set up. You know, what was the attacking formation going to be? Where does he fit into this? Who's yeah. going to be supplying him? All of those things. So whatever that plan was, it it's, it's
1: not working. And they got to get that working because yeah. that is, you know, that's a contract so big. Mm. That it's as big a weight around this club as anything else, you mm. know, and a uh, huge decision and a huge financial commitment. Yeah. Um. So that's got to work. By the way, yeah. just on Willian, you know your favourite player? Speaking of big financial commitments and financial milestones around the neck. The true test of Edu and Kia Durabchun's relationship will be if Edu, if, if Kia consents to move Willian on somewhere very, very quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're such good pals... Kia's got to do us a solid and get this guy out to Saudi Arabia or something. If,
2: if they're such good pals, there's no way he's going anywhere. Look, I had a question. I think we had a question about William. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, it comes from Corner Kick Aficionado. Well, yeah, a well, well-named guy because we had plenty of those today. Uh, he said, has Willian... Overtaken Yaya Sanogo as the worst player to wear an Arsenal kit this side of 2000. Slightly tongue-in-cheek, I I get it, but I, I, in my player ratings today, said that he was soaring up the charts in the top of the pops of the worst Arsenal signings of all time. And I know some people might think that's a bit of a joke, but I'm not joking. So far, based on age, based on contract length, based on what he's uh, being pa- uh, paid, what... Um, he has produced in the past in terms of you know his performances for Chelsea and everything else he has been an absolute disaster
1: yeah well I would say exactly the same thing about Willian as I just did about Aubameyang you know when you pay that sort of money for a player of that age you better have a bloody good idea what you're going to do with them and what they're going to offer you and and I don't actually hate Willian. Like I, when he was at Chelsea, it's not like he was John Terry or something. Do you know what I mean? Like I I, I didn't arrive with like some big stigma about Willian. Uh, you know, it's even Sylvester. I sort of, he annoyed me and he yeah, when he was at United. Willian I sort of had no real feeling about. Um, but maybe I'm realising why. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like maybe he never annoyed me because yeah, he was just never that good. The fucking Magnolia of footballers. Yeah, and actually, like, I didn't think he was. The thing is, I don't think he's diabolical. I just think he's shit. Just think he's <laughs> like meh. Like he's just like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and uh, I mean today, you know, maybe if Pepe is available, maybe he doesn't play. I don't know. I mean, he probably does. But yeah, I I I am. Um, that's another one that just absolutely isn't working Mm. uh, and feels right now, I agree with you, like a terrible...
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those that that if you're going to do what we did, which is give a 32-year-old player who's come from, uh, you know, uh, from a club we hate, you know, um, Mm. and that's...
1: He is going to get judged harsher because of that. Of course. That's that's, that's that's the reality. That is the reality.
2: So when you... When you do that deal for that player, and you give him that length of contract, and you give him the Bosman signing on fee, which bumps his, you know, you know, this talk about how his his wages aren't that big. It's like give me a fucking break, thirty two year old. Noah yeah, he just yeah, goes yeah. out to
1: Rwanda on a commercial <laughs> endeavor. But I mean, uh, you, yeah, yeah you terror is you. you you know you
2: you are going to get judged more harshly on that deal than if you spent money on you know an up and coming kid who didn't quite make it at least people could see the logic of that and say well they saw some potential there and you know they had a bit of a gamble it didn't quite work out that's the way it goes in football but when you're coming in as this established player you know with everything that el- with everything else that's going on if you don't produce you're in the fucking spotlight and he's in the spotlight and it is not kind to him and he should not Start our next game, Willian. I'll be really fucking unhappy if he starts our next game. Oh
1: no! I got a feeling you're going to be really unhappy. So do I. Actually, no. You might be all right. It's Dundalk. Well, no, I meant Premier League game. Yeah, I meant yeah, Premier. Burnley.
2: Start him against. No, don't even start him against Dundalk. Play all the kids against Dundalk, and then whichever kids are good, play them against fucking Burnley. Do something.
1: I think. I think. Um, I've I've played this scenario yeah. out on here before, but I, I, this is where Edu really comes under the spotlight for me. If Arteta tells you he wants Willy at, you want your technical director to be the guy who says, that's a lovely idea, Mikel, but how about we sign this younger version of a player who can do similar things, rather than be the guy who goes, good job you've said that, because his agent is actually a massive mate of mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, uh, it, yeah, that, you know, doesn't... Look great,
2: no. Um, yeah, let's bring him in. You know, you know that seventy-two million pound signing we made last year.
1: He plays in the exact same position, so it's going to be great. I mean, the thing is, if Pepe had worked out brilliantly, uh, like what's incredible is we spent seventy-two million on a player for the right wing, hasn't quite worked out yet. We then replaced him with a thirty-two-year-old on a three-year deal worth X million per year, who's been worse. Which is probably worse. Yeah, exactly. Willian. I wonder what we're going to do in the next transfer window.
2: Willian is the best fucking thing that's happened to Pepe.
1: Yeah. I mean, that he's a huge reason for the change in perception of Pepe. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. In a funny way, he might save his standing among Arsenal fans. And, and yeah, well, Pepe gets better as well with every Premier League game he doesn't play. Yeah. And every game Willian does play. Yeah. It's a it's a really bad one. And 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 the only the only slim, 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 slim slither of consideration for a kind of an alternative perception is just that thing of like Well, look how bad all the attackers are doing. Like what what is the common denominator here? Is it that they're all cunts or is it that the system <laughs> is a bit messed up? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, it yeah. could be either at this point. I don't know. A little um, from Colman, a, a little from B. <laughs> well, listen. Um Ian Stone sent in a question. Oh, I was going to uh, ask you
2: this one first.
1: Yes. <laughs> Ian Stone who will have been ruining the day Arsenal did not appoint Jose Mourinho as he as he demanded last November today. But How long, he says, has Mikel Arteta got? Burnley and Southampton coming up. If we don't get a win against either of those, with Everton away and Chelsea at home, will they lose their bottle and would it be justified? It's a
2: really great question. I don't think they will lose their bottle because I don't quite know whose bottle it is to be lost or who's going to be losing the bottle if you like cuz i've thought about this and you know well, I, listen i, I
1: really Vin I, Vin I ain't going to
2: sack arteta well look i you know i think like everyone really wanted mikel arteta to succeed and to come in and be great and to change things and change the culture and do all the things that he said he was going to do because you know i was tired of you know the 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 Things like Willian, you know, players coasting, signing the wrong age profile of players, all those Mm -hmm. things we were doing wrong. I wanted those things to change and I wanted the football to be good and I wanted, you know, the team to be cohesive. And I wanted at least, you know, to, to see some semblance of a plan and a strategy because that was part of the issue with Unai Emery. Is that like, I don't know what football this guy wants to play. I can't see who it is he wants us to be. And when Arteta came in, he at least said the right things. He said and he communicated things that resonated with me and I'm sure uh, many other people. You know, he talked a good game. I think I said here a couple of weeks ago, if we could play football half as well as Mikel Arteta talked, we'd be top of the league, right? But I I think we're in a really worrying position in that if, let's say, it does go wrong in those games Mm -hmm. and the pressure mounts... And we don't score goals. Who's picking the next guy?
1: Edu? How much managing experience does Kia have? I'm just trying to...
2: Who's... Yeah, who are Kia's managerial clients? (laughs) But, you know, no, genuinely, like, who's picking him? Because I think... I think Edu is only still at the club because he sensed the way the wind was blowing. he yeah, hitched, he, he attached himself to Arteta. He hitched his wagon to Mikel Arteta and probably created just enough distance between himself and Raul Sanyei for him to survive. That's what mm. I think. Mm. I'm not saying that based on any information, but I think that's the way it went. Smart guy could see that Arteta was f- breath of fresh air come in, Talk about, you know, a new broom sweeping out the place and, you know, perhaps you're privy to some of the things that have been going on behind the scenes and it doesn't necessarily suit to be or it wouldn't be good to be associated with some of those, right? Mm-hmm. So you go in with the new guy and that's why I think he's still at the club. For me, he's far too closely associated with, with Raúl, and the Kia thing was an absolute fucking joke the way that guy was involved at levels in our football club that no agent should be.
1: Yeah, I don't talking, like it, talking like he talking like he ran the place. Going on
2: fucking national radio and talking about, well you'll see some things are gonna change at Arsenal and like lo and behold, a couple of weeks later we sack our entire scouting department. You know, things that he was privy to that he made public when he had no business making them public, even if he knew them. You know, small things like, for example, the Willian signing being done at his house. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not right. That's not right. I know it was COVID. I know there was a pandemic. I know all of that kind of stuff. But you cannot tell me that Arsenal couldn't have created a safe environment, uh, you know, in which to sign a football player like, you know, we did with Gabrielle, and like we did with, you know, other things that we did. Of course. You know? So, if you're telling me that Arsenal are gonna, uh, bring in a new manager who will make everything better. Great. Do it. Same with every fucking player that's on the pitch. If you can find me a better player who will make us better, do it. You know, at this point, I'm sort of beyond having favorites. There are a few players that I would like to hang on to. Uh, you know, four or five maybe in this squad that I would go to bat for the rest of them. You know, fire them into the fucking sun. If you can bring in someone better as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, if there's a change of manager, who's picking him? Like, Edu? Picking that? Like, we have put ourselves in a position where the reliance on on this Arteta Edu, do we call it a dream team? I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, mm. is so... Like, where do we go from here if this doesn't work? Like, the smartest thing Arsenal could do right now, if you're Stan Kroenke, if you're Tim Lewis and you're reporting back to KSE, it will be to bring in a really fucking good football brain or two
1: into the club. Ralph Rangnick, someone like that. Well, so Tom Walsgrove asked, if I give you the power to remove and install one of the following from tomorrow, which do you choose? An ambitious owner, a competent and ruthless director of football, or an experienced savvy manager?
2: Um... I would say an ambitious owner, like a genuinely ambitious owner, because they will do and make decisions. The other things will follow based on their, their ambition, based on what it is that they want to do. Like, okay, I'm an ambitious owner. What do I want to win in football? I want to win the premier league. I want to win the champions league. How do I do that? What are the models that I need to follow you know, uh, you know who are the people that I need at a football club in order to make those things happen? And we have basically
1: two football the guys players. who didn't get sacked. Yeah.
2: Like, we have got, <laughs> like, at, at board level, what have we got? We've got, like, at a football executive level, we've got Mikel Arteta, who is the manager, and we've got Edu. And that is literally it we've sacked the director of football we sacked or we lost one of the 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 most highly coveted recruitment guys in football who did great work at Dortmund i know like with with Tat, not everything came off et cetera, et cetera. but like as a concept as an idea is that not what you want from a uh, you know from a recruitment guy um we fucked off the contracts guy or he decided to leave but that you know as far as I'm aware is uh, a question of jump before you get pushed kind of thing you know who have we got who's making these decisions at the football club and who, who are they accountable to other than people who don't know the first fucking thing about football and who are detached and removed and I know there are reasons for that at the moment because of the pandemic but they have been anyway etc etc. So yeah, the the answer to that question would be uh, an ambitious owner, like someone who is genuinely genuinely ambitious and for whom Arsenal wasn't just part of their collection of mid-level underperforming, non-winning franchises.
1: Is that fair? I think I think it is fair. I mean, I think if you Yeah, I, what I would can't... you choose? Well, I, I think I would choose the owner. Mm. But I think that it's probably not plausible right now. Um, and if you were asking me between a manager and a technical director, I'd probably go with technical director. I know that some people think that's crazy in the circumstances, but...
2: I, I think I would go with, yeah. Right now, you know, if... if um, You know, obviously the owner th- ownership thing isn't going to happen. But I would certainly like to see somebody with real uh, experience come in at a football level to, uh, you know, to, to basically oversee. Um, and that's difficult now because they've made Arteta the manager. Um, but, like, if you they have can that...
1: Walk that back pretty easily, I yeah,
2: think. But if you have the right technical director then the manager, the football manager, rename him, whatever you want to call him, the head coach or everything else. If you're a technical director who's who's basically going to shape the way your club operates and the way it operates in the transfer market, the, the football that it plays, all of those things, like at the moment we just do not have any kind of identity whatsoever. And our technical director, I think, is quite lucky to be in the job that he's in. And I know it's only been a couple of months since... Um, since Raul got sacked and, you know, we haven't really given them time. So maybe I'm being super harsh here on Edu. Maybe in January we'll see a bit more. Maybe next summer we'll see a bit more. Yeah. But I think that's, that's a very optimistic outlook right now. So, yeah, one, two, and three, my preference is owner, technical director, and then an experience manager. An experience manager might in the short term, short perhaps to medium term, be good enough to, to. Uh, I don't mean paper over the cracks, right, but to, to sort of produce results that are more befitting with where we want to be. But, you know, can anyone really look at Arsenal right now and think that there aren't serious issues that we have to address one way or the other, whether it's Mikel Arteta or somebody else?
1: Can I tell you the funny thing about Arteta?
3: Yeah.
1: He's been... The opposite in some ways of what I expected in that I thought he would be the kind of coach who would be great for, sort of, with a sort of long term vision and have very clear style mm. and an idea of how he wanted to play. But I didn't think he'd be a firefighter. You know, I didn't think he'd be a guy who could come in in the middle of the season and get the best out of what's available and Mm. turn things around. And And I do think he did do that to an extent last season. And I don't think that should be lost or forgotten. I think performances that he got out of players who had seemed completely lost, you know, under the previous manager, maybe the previous couple of managers, were pretty remarkable at times. But once we got to the summer and once we got to moving forward and him laying down a blueprint to build on for the future, it does feel like it's got lost a bit and it's just weird. It's just, that's kind of, it's kind of the opposite of what I expected. Do you know what I mean? I expected him to be a longer term guy and not a short term guy. And I know we're not into the long term yet, but
2: yeah, I mean, look, I, I think as well, sometimes, um, we need, no, we need to, nobody needs to do anything, but um, I'm not telling anyone else what to think or anything else, but, you know, the, the circumstances of his first year at Arsenal have been extraordinary, extraordinary yes. by the very basic definition of the word between, you know, COVID, lockdown. Uh, all the various issues that have gone on, and some of those have been down to him or in part down to him as well, all the things that have gone on, the financial impact. It's not been a normal summer. There hasn't been a preseason, really. All of those things are, I think, not excuses, but I think they're perhaps reasons as to why things aren't going quite as well as, as we might like. And maybe the fact that, experience managers are dealing with it a bit better tells you that you know his inexperience which is completely understandable is a bit of a problem in this very
1: very short-term period that we're in well we didn't know there was going to be a pandemic when we appointed him did we that's for sure i mean what about this question from scott rogers wolfson on the discord I think we should come back to sort of you know how long has Arteta got at some point, but would Mikel be in a more secure position had he not won the FA Cup and qualified for Europe? By getting that win, he raised expectations, giving himself less time on the training ground with the European games and less time for the players to rest between games. Do we as fans need to accept that winning the FA Cup was a bonus and that this was always going to be a transition year? It's a good
2: question, because you could look at the FA Cup as something that gave him credit in the bank. Credit,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: You know? So there's two ways of, of looking at that. Um, you know, and Did we, it make us
1: feel like we're closer than we were,
2: though? I think it might have done, yeah. I think it might have done, particularly given that we beat Man City in the semi-final and we beat Chelsea in the final. You know, it wasn't a case of scraping past Wigan and then beating Hull. You know, we beat two very good teams very rich teams who'd spent an awful lot of money. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it did. Maybe Can I make it,
1: another point? Yeah. If we, if we, let's say we've gone out of the FA Cup, quarter-final stage, semifinal, semi-final to Man City. Yeah. We trundled on through, through the rest of the league season, finished in mid-table, not qualified for Europe. Yeah. I wonder how different our transfer business would have been as yeah. well. You know, in that position would you? Would they have made more of a decision of, well, we're going to go for the big rebuild. You know, we're going to sell our star striker and not sign Willian and, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean, invest in a, a longer term project. And then would our, I mean, of course, it's all what ifs, but like, I, I do think that would change the complexion of this season. Um, but yes, equally, on the other side of the coin, a lot of what Arteta has in the bank is because of that FA Cup final. Yeah. I mean, to come back to Ian's question, how long has he got? I mean, do you think there is any serious jeopardy for his job? I I actually don't.
2: I don't think there is either, to be honest. I'm not saying there shouldn't be. No, 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 no. I agree. But I think the circumstances in which we find ourselves, I'm sure Arsenal as a, you know, they're maybe a bit terrified by all this because they need for it to work with Arteta.
1: A lot of eggs in that basket. A lot of,
2: a lot of eggs and maybe they're looking at it and going, well, look, here it is. This is something that we thought might happen when we appointed an inexperienced manager
3: Mm.
2: that he was going to hit a period when things didn't go well. And, you know, you're heading towards some kind of rock bottom, if you like. But I don't, I think they just don't have the people there to make decisions like that.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, I just don't think they will they will risk losing face to that extent. You no. Know, there's such a public uh, commitment mm. to Arteta. Do you
2: think, let me ask you this managers often get the the uh what do you call it when the board vote. says yeah. vote, of conf- vote of confidence Dr- <laughs> the dreaded vote of confidence that's what yeah. it's actually known as dreaded do you think that they will back him in january with money to bring in players
1: i think they will yeah yeah i think they will you know we 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 reported uh, on the Athletic that they're looking to. I think they will. And I think Arteta's put pressure on them too. I mean, he made some big comments this week, didn't he? About, you know, five or six players away.
2: Yeah, midfielders. Big teams need midfielders who can score goals. That was one of the things that he said Very as well. pointed. I
1: mean, I, I think, well, at this rate, they're going to have to. Um yeah. to salvage something from this season. And, and I think they have to as well, just because however long-term this plan is, it can't just be left to be, you know, years and years. We, we need to do everything we can to accelerate it and to to sort of keep their, you know, the, the clearly owner's intention is we've gone with Arteta, we're backing him, we're investing in him. Mm. If they want to keep that going, they've got to improve this team. You know, I I almost think they have to do it to spare their blushes. Yeah. Uh, And that's why I think they will. And it it, it will help to a degree. It will help to a degree, but... I mean, the thing is, is, like,
2: Arteta's got to keep the players on board during this period. He has to keep the players on board. Mm. And I think when... You know, they're human too. And I'm not excusing them in any way, I should point out. But, you know, they they have to be aware of how bad our football is right now. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, yes. But saying that, Graham soonness right? I don't know if you were watching Sky. I watched but, a bit of it and then I sort of muted it and turned it back on a little bit. And, right. So you know. after the game, he kind of... He really sort of tore into Spurs. And bizarrely, he seemed to reveal that he was a Spurs fan, which blew Yeah, my mind. He, he joined Spurs
2: as, um, from
1: Scotland, didn't he? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was like, yeah, my first love, Spurs, he referred to them as. Yeah. And, but he was saying, you know, as a player in this Mourinho team, you know, you wouldn't enjoy it. You wouldn't, um, you know, it's hard to motivate yourself to play like that. And I was watching that and thinking, they just won the derby 2-0. I don't think they give a fuck. Like, results are everything, aren't they? Like, Arsenal believed in Arteta when he beat... The players loved it when they beat Man City and Chelsea and, you know, they and they weren't playing uh, the Harlem Globetrot stuff. Yeah, yeah. I heard some of that discussion because I
2: think Alex Scott asked Jamie Redknapp, you know, what was you? as like a guy that liked to get on the ball would you like to play that way or would you like to be a bit more expansive, et cetera, et cetera? And I was thinking the same as you. Like, who gives a fuck when you're winning? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We've just Nobody beaten, does when you're winning. We've just beaten Arsenal 2-0. Who gives a fuck?
1: Yeah, they played Man City, Chelsea and... Uh, uh, hang on. Uh, we're top of the league. <laughs> I know. You know it's I'm like, sure they're all gutted. I'm sure they're all absolutely They must be gutted. fucking
2: miserable. Yeah. They're I mean, crying imagine.
1: at the training ground. Yeah, every day. I mean,
2: Lo Celso must be sitting at home now going, oh, what a terrible evening I've had. I just, you know, created a break which ended in, you know, Harry Kane's record-breaking goal for Tottenham to beat Arsenal 2-0. Boo-hoo, I can't play any through balls. Get to exactly. fuck. It's just nonsense.
1: I, I suppose the only reason I bring that up is, like, Arsenal aren't playing well at the moment and and that and they're not getting results and nothing affects a player's happiness more than the outcome a player doesn't really like ultimately if players have won they go home happy if <clears> the striker's <throat> got his goal he goes home happy that that's it and those things aren't happening the players are going to be unhappy Arteta's biggest job you're right is to keep these players Half of whom he said essentially a shit (laughs) on board with a long-term project. Like that's a really tough battle. Yeah. To be like, listen, Granite. I know you're. I know you know you're effectively dispensable in the evolution of this team in the next two to three years. Two to three
2: years, Jesus Christ!
1: (laughs) (laughs) My heart, James, my heart. (laughs) But like. I need you to really focus up here, or mm. upholding. I know, you, I know, you know. I tried to loan you to Newcastle, or was, or certainly up for the idea in pre-season because eventually I want another right-sided, centre-half. Not, not, that's not, essentially
2: not the thirty million pound one we just bought. Or no, bought, another, bought another, one,
1: another, another one. Um, but you know, just stay with me on this project. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's just it's very, very hard when you don't win matches, mm-hmm. and I know that might be a really facile point. But it's the tension between long and short term. And and somehow he's got to find that balance. Well, the best of
2: luck to him. (laughs) Mm. Because, yeah, he's not doing it at the moment. Uh, Here's a couple of questions. Um, Mangeman and the E on the Discord says, reactions to Tierney throwing long and... One of the many questions that we had from Twitter, this one comes from Gooner Lover, who's at Gooner Lover 49 Many questions on this one. He said, I think we need a whole podcast analysis to find out why Bellerin can't take a fucking throw in. What the
1: fuck is going on with that? I don't know. What, was it a foul throw, this one? I can't remember. I didn't, I didn't see it I, whether... it. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I, I think basically what's happened is... They've noticed. They've noticed. They've noticed. And the referees' WhatsApp group have gone, look out for Hector. Yeah. They're all Because I think there are probably a lot of them are doing it. Yeah.
2: They're all fucking doing it. Should I do it? Oh, I have to do a sad one. I've run like this my whole life.
1: <laughs> sad Hector. We know Hector. We see it every week. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that is um, a problem. So he's being watched. So mm. he needs – but he basically needs to sort of knuckle down – really nail the technique for the next few months and they'll stop watching him. Yeah, it is one, one of the most those. difficult things in the game, though. It is it's famously. and It's not like we have a specialist at Peace Coach. As for the long throws from Tierney, that is just where we really keenly felt the absence of Fellaini, didn't we? We did. I mean, <laughs> doesn't
2: Rory DeLapp's son play for Man City? Can't we, like, bring him in? He's probably got the same kind pound of... £30 a- million
1: bid incoming. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, they're not even long throws. I love Kieran Tierney, but they're not long throws, they're kind of medium throws.
1: They're not. Can I tell you a weird thing about Kieran Tierney? Yeah, I really like him, I think he's really good. Sometimes I think he's in the wrong team. Do you know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Just like he, he he's play, his style of play, like he's got some fantastic qualities. I love him. Don't get me wrong; he's one of my favourite players in the team. But wh- the way he bombs on and the types of crosses he swings in, I just sort of think I'm not sure anyone else on this team is really suited to this, apart from you. <laughs> maybe I
2: tell you who is suited to Kieran Tierney. Who? Martinelli.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah telling you that's a partnership i hope so i really hope so i mean I, 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 it might sound a very odd point i just think like stylistically i he's think quite about where old, he's coming from he's quite he's an, an old, old yeah, exactly. fashioned player yeah
2: he's an old-fashioned he, fucking socks around the ankles kind of player
1: he's like a 90s yeah fullback and he's brilliant he's yeah, brilliant
2: 18 like, 1890s
1: yeah he's great <laughs> he's great i just sort of um Yeah, I just have that slight concern of, like, stylistically, it doesn't seem, Mm. well, it doesn't feel very Arsenal at times. But then I'm like, well, what is that? So, who knows? Nobody fucking knows knows at this point. Um, Question from Denarona says, why do you think we've moved away from 3-5-2 when we cannot beat less teams with four at the back? Seems totally nonsensical given our form and the success we had before. I mean, I think we know why we did it. It was to try and score goals. Mm. We've realised that's actually impossible. It's much more difficult doing it the way that we're doing it. (laughs) Would you go back to it? Or would you be like, fuck it, we'll just play the four now. Just be crap.
2: I think, (laughs) um, well, given the party's going to be out for fuck knows how long at this point, I think I would go back to it. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and there's this idea, and we've said this many times before, This idea that three at the back is somehow mega defensive. But, you know, 3-4-3 can be a really attacking formation, a really attacking way of playing if you can make it work. Um, What I would very seriously consider, and I know I said this about Willian earlier on, and, you know, you were saying I was going to be sad uh, to see Willian in the team, and I will be very sad to see him in the team. I'd like to see some recognition in our team selection, that some of the players who Arteta has put his faith in have not repaid that. Mm. And for some younger players maybe to be given a go. You know? Maybe that's part of what some of these guys need.
1: Well, it's easy to forget when you watch this Premier League team, but we've got quite a good Europa League team. (laughs) And I know they're not playing anyone great, but we could do worse, couldn't we, than just Replicate Attempt at least To replicate some of that I mean look
2: You can bring Pepe back For the next game And you you know You can have Nelson On the bench And you can actually Use Maitland-Niles If you want to You know Things like that
1: Pepe's got another game Hasn't he Does he have one more He's missed He got Uh, sent off Against Leeds uh, Wolves Spurs Yeah he's got one more I'm afraid But Nelson Smith-Rowe Smith-Rowe Willock Yeah 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 You want a midfielder
2: Who can score a goal it must be Yeah. You know, just something.
1: I mean, maybe, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe.
2: Look, you know what the worst thing about this is? The worst thing about the position that we're in right now? You know that fucking Einstein meme that goes around?
3: Mm.
2: Uh, the insanity is the whatever it is. It's doing insanity the Insanity is over posting and over this meme
1: again yeah. and again I'm and expecting anyone couldn't. to give a shit. Yeah. But that yeah. one,
2: that it used to be every time we didn't play well or we lost a game when the Wenger era was coming to an end, somebody, millions of people, in fact, would always post that fucking Einstein meme. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and hoping to get the same result. Fuck off. I'm seeing that now, and I don't like it. So let's stop doing the same things over and over and maybe do something very slightly differently and acknowledge that the guys, you know, they haven't done... Um, what you want them to and that could no. be in part down to Arteta it is of course in part down to Arteta and the way he set up his team and everything else you know we have the we have a question here from the Discord uh, from Eichhorst who says, why are virtually all of our players underachieving, uh, underachieving? Every other team in the Premier League seems to do much more with less. I don't believe our players are so totally devoid of talent. So why are we getting so little out of them? So there is something to be said for like all of them being crap at the one time. You know, they've all fallen off a cliff. Nevertheless, when you're an experienced player, you, you, you have a bit more responsibility to, to perform and, uh, you know, just something maybe to shake up. The comfort zone a
1: little bit would be good. Gotta be worth a try. Gotta be worth a try. I, yeah, I, I really, I yeah, I, I actually think, um, I think, we'll, I mean, I do think we'll beat Burnley. <laughs> I hope you're right. I, I think we will. I think we might even beat Dundalk in the week as well. I think we might do that, but. I think I, I think I think we'll get a couple of results. What's the lead table look like? Dare we look I at that? I don't want
2: to look. I think we're in fifteenth.
1: Yeah, it's not the best I've ever seen. No. <laughs> I mean that what's worrying about it is that the table's starting to look normal. Uh you know mm. the the, sp- the spread the, is beginning to happen. The top six are the big five and Leicester. Right, um, you know it, there is this supposed big six in the Premier League. Well, five of those are in the top six. One's fifteenth. Oh, I just looked at the fucking BBC football page, and now I see Liverpool have beaten Wolves four nil. Mm. Oh man! And they ha- haven't even got any players who can who aren't fit who are aren't injured. They've missing like they're, this is supposed to be a vulnerable Liverpool. They're they're doing very well. Spurs the top. Mm-hmm. Leicester got a last-minute winner, didn't they? Jamie Vardy. Mm. He scored from a one-on-one. I've I've never seen anything like it. One-on-one? What is Yeah, he was played through. What? A guy guy called James Madison, in a number 10 shirt, played a through ball, which is like a pass which goes in behind the defenders. Imagine there's space behind the defenders because you're sort of progressing the ball quickly. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm imagining that. And then the striker... He runs into the space behind the defenders, and then, then he kicks the ball. Get out! In past the goalkeeper into the net. This is fucking wow! Sorcery! It's Brendan Rodgers' sorcery. Um, they burned them as witches back in my day. (laughs) So Leicester are fourth in the Champions League spots. We are eight points off that. Mm. Mind the gap. (laughs) We are only five ahead of, no, six ahead of Fulham. Right. Look. It's not great, James. I can't lie, it's not great. Some people will be like, why aren't we all hashtag Arteta out? I think, we, you know, people will be saying, why aren't you saying Arteta out? Well, I think we talked about that. Yeah, we did sort of talk about that. Mm. I'm, I'm losing track of things. Yeah, it's maybe this is enough. I think maybe it this is. is enough. I think it is.
2: We tried to cover everything in as much detail as we possibly could without losing our minds in the process.
1: We we failed. We, we failed.
2: failed. I think we have failed. Uh, but look, we did our best. We tried Still good, really hard. Good. For we guys. got to talk
1: about the league table. That was a good, nice yeah. little detour. To yeah, finish nice,
2: on. nice, way to finish. Um, like part one, it ended on a really upbeat note.
1: Um, oh. I'll tell you one last thing that really pissed me off. Just quickly. Okay. Did, Go you on. know your shit when Mourinho praises your team? Mm, yeah. I don't know if you saw or heard.
2: No, that. I d- no, no, no. Come on. There's only so much punishment I can take in one day. <laughs> and sitting and actually listening to Jose Mourinho talk is He was laying on the, the
1: compliments. He was laying on the compliments thick. And I thought no. That's a bad. I saw Andrew bad Andrew sign. Allen tweeting
2: about it. Yeah.
1: That's a bad sign.
2: James, I'm going to take a big drink of yep. bourbon right now. Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> I was just imagining that you just <laughs> passed out immediately and I was left alone on the poker. No, uh,
2: I just needed that to steel myself, uh, you know, for putting the rest of it together, getting it out yeah. this evening, giving people something to listen to that they may not want to. They but might they, fall you know, asleep to it. It might haunt their dreams. Oh my God. Yeah. All they'll hear is the exasperated horse all night. Do you ever get that thing where you wake up, do you ever, like you're sort of just about to fall asleep and then you get that, Falling sensation. Does that ever happen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but just before, just before you fall, from the background, you'll just hear... The horse. The horse. The horse. The horse of doom. The horse of doom. Fuck off, horse. We do not want you anymore. Go away. We don't want to have to talk about you or make noises by you on the podcast. Um... Okay, we're going to. By the that. way, go on. Are you going nice, to tell me another
1: thing now that No, no, show. no, no. I'm just going to say anything positive or complimentary that I said about Tottenham's performance. I don't want any of you listeners repeating that to anybody. All right? I said it because I was upset in the heat of the moment. <laughs> I never want that referenced ever again. Let's never speak of it. Let's never speak
2: of it. You know what we should do? Just maybe win our next game in the Premier League? See the way I did that there? Expecting us to beat Dundalk. Uh, yeah, win the next game. And that would be good. But, uh, you know, could win the lottery as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's much chance. I'm looking forward to a relegation battle. It'll be, you know, something different.
2: Those, my friend, are famous last words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, look, we're going to leave it there. Thank you, as ever, for being with us. Um, uh, like I said to James the other day, uh, we are only mere chefs in the world of ours so we can only serve up the ingredients which we are delivered
1: it's like Ready Steady Cook yeah have you ever seen that show no contestants bring in a bag of food and then the chefs have to make something with it right if you bring us a bag of shit there's only so much we can serve up exactly exactly
2: you know we are hugely dependent on what they do we are very talented chefs (laughs) but our powers have limits it's the system The system and the formation, that's the problem. That's all we can do. Anyway, look, we'll leave it there. Uh, It's getting late on a Sunday night. I'm going to get this out and put it up. We will catch you uh, on the next one. We'll obviously have a post-Europa League podcast on Friday and everything else. So until then, take it easy, uh, mind yourselves, and if you see the horse of doom, tell them to fuck off as well.
1: Bye-bye.